Hi, it's Laura here from the Teaser Pop Podcast. If you're interested in starting podcasting to grow your community, whether it's for your education business or for your school community, then check out my podcast Pathfinder course. This is where I teach you how to plan, record and edit your first podcast miniseries and up to your first three episodes. To find out more about this program, check out my business website, Communicating for Impact. All the links are in the show notes. Now to today's episode. Tea Pop, Season 8, Episode 3. Hello and welcome to Tea Pop, the mini podcast for busy teachers. My name is Laura and today I'm joined with the founder of The Chilled Investor, Nicola Prentice. We're going to be talking about taking care of our money and in this episode we're going to cover why money is so difficult to talk about and three ways in which we can grow our funds. Now it's important to bear in mind that today's episode is not financial advice, it's educational tips designed to build your financial literacy. Let's jump to where I asked Nicola, why is money so difficult to talk about? Yeah, so I think there's two layers because I think money's difficult for people to talk about in general. And I think that's culturally true in some in places more than others. So, I mean, in the UK, it's not really considered nice to ask somebody how much they earn, for example, um, or how much is in their bank balance. I mean, you just culturally, socially, you know, you shouldn't do that. It is fine to ask somebody how much their house is worth, though. So that's an indirect way of talking about how much somebody's uh, worth is in financial terms. But I think it's partly because money is a status symbol. So what you're really doing when you open that topic is is asking how their status is compared with your status. So I think that's why generally. But I think in this profession and any helping profession, teaching, nursing, anything like that, arts, writers, artists, I think there's this idea of the struggling artist, the poor but noble teacher, um, and I think that when you've got low pay, that does affect your um, expectations about money, about what you think you could earn, but also your morale. You start thinking of yourself as somebody who will never have money and maybe you start to pride yourself on that. But what you do anyway is basically brush it under the carpet because it's it's maybe scary to look at. And the longer you leave it, the harder it is to talk about. It's so you raised so many interesting points in just that one question alone about cultural values that we have around money that can make it difficult to talk about and also perceptions that we have of service-based industry. And when you mentioned this whole concept of like not earning high returns or not having a lot of money as educated, that certainly resonates with what I've experienced and heard in the um, industry to a point that people leave the industry because they think they can't make enough money to sustain their lives. And I think that's obviously certainly true for some places where they may be working, a, a job or pivot to another place is needed. But um, yeah, th- there's a lot of underlying beliefs and um, values to deconstruct here. So many. I mean, you could spend longer than we have just talking about that because also everybody's beliefs and mindset around money is very personal and it's very likely that it's based on their parents' beliefs about money and the things that were said and done around money when they were growing up. So it's kind of like hardwired into you from your experiences of money when you're a child. Well, let's try and uh, move that forward by sharing some tips today, because I know you've got three ways in which we can start to look after our money and start growing it. Where would you like to start first? 
the first thing that I always say to people is if you're going to do anything, get a pension, which sounds really boring. It sounds like the most boring place to start. But if you start thinking of a pension as free money for you in the future, then I think that's less boring. But it's also got a much more immediate benefit that I think people don't really think about. And that's that a pension is usually in most countries, it comes with a tax advantage. So you put money into a pension and that is discounted against your tax bill every year. So you're reducing your tax and putting that money straight back into your pocket for you to take later. So, um, or it might even be that that's just a reduction on your tax bill and it doesn't end up in your pension unless you put it there. So that's just straight away a really instant benefit from having a pension. And I think everybody should do that. And then there are other kinds of investing. It, again, depends which country you live in, but I'll use examples of the UK and the USA. You've got tax-free investing products where you can, um, that money can grow and you can take it out and you could earn money from dividends and it's all tax free. So this would be in the UK an ISA. Um, in America, it would be a Roth IRA. And you don't even have to report that to the tax authorities. That's how tax free it is. You don't even have to tell them and then note it down. So that's the first thing that you should be doing. Look at a pension and whatever tax free investing options there are. And then the second thing is, if you've got an employer, you want to be um, looking at the workplace pension, if there is one, and you want to be putting as much money into that as you can, um, again, because there's a tax break that comes with that. And the best kind of workplace pensions are ones where your employer not only is contributing, but has to match you. It's called employee match. So if you start putting more than the standard in, they have to put more than the standard in. So that is a pay rise. Okay, it's a pay rise you can't take until later, but it's another benefit. So I think for people who are considering which job to take, look at the pension package because that's a massive bonus um, that you can weigh up against different with different jobs. 100%. That's one thing that we have here in Switzerland. We have um, pension matching that you mentioned. And that's something I wasn't aware of until I realized that different companies have different percentages that they'd match. And like you say, when you're thinking about your jobs and having those conversations with potential employers, the value of the contract could be a lot higher if you look at the terms and conditions and other features that they may offer, such as pensions and investments, than the actual weekly or monthly salary that they pay. That could be a real big thing. Yeah, really. It's it's a pay rise, but they might not be able to give you a pay rise, but they can give you more into your pension because they're getting some kind of tax break on that. So it's always worth negotiating on that. And I think very few people even, even factor that in, let alone go into a negotiation. It's certainly something not I've not thought about, but I'm now beginning to think about more because like you say, it's free money. It's like your younger self looking after your older self and yeah. protecting your future. Exactly. And, you know, care about yourself in the future. Why wouldn't you look after yourself? You, you like yourself. You're not going to not like yourself in the future. Why would you want to make it hard for yourself? You yourself are going to feel the same as you do now. So if money and comfort is important to you now, be very sure it's going to be something that you think about later. So you've kicked off with pensions and talking about the matching of pensions and tax-free pension options. What else would you like to uh, look at today? So the third thing is 
all the rest of it. So the rest of it is like general investing, it's sometimes called. So these are investment accounts. Maybe you've got a broker. These are the kind of things where you are going to have to start learning a little bit about investing. But there's so many different ways to invest that don't require a lot of effort. They're passive. They're not time consuming. You have to open some accounts and you have to set it up, but it's no harder than any other kind of bank account or thing that you do. But those things don't come with a tax break. But for, and I've heard people say, I don't want to do this because I'm going to, you know, what if I have, I'm going to have to pay tax on it later. Or what if I go over this tax bracket because I've got this income coming in? People are so afraid of tax, but tax just means that you're earning money. And it's like if somebody said to you, oh, I'll give you a bonus and you're like, no, oh, no, thank you, because I'm going to have to pay 20% tax on that bonus. Like you wouldn't say that. So once you've maxed out any um, pri- you know, private pension tax breaks or workplace pension tax breaks, I mean, you might not have either of these things. In, I live in Spain. There is no tax-free investing in Spain. I can put a certain amount of money into a private pension. That's it. So for me, if I, if I stopped there... I wouldn't be achieving as much as I could. So I am doing investments that, yes, generate a tax bill for me. But that's okay because I'm earning money from those. So why would I mind? Okay, I would like to do everything I can to reduce the tax bill. But if I can't, I'd still rather have something than nothing. Exactly. It's it's you're paying money on what you're earning, right? Just like you would yeah. a salary. It's the same exactly. same concept. And like you say, to be creative and to research and to find out, there's also really nice investment options out there where you can also invest in things that you care about, which I find, yeah. you know, also is something that's attractive and makes it a little bit more interesting as well when you're thinking about the portfolio, the options and where your money could be helping other causes as well. Definitely. There's um, in the investing course that I teach, I have a part on ethical investing. And I say like, these are the different ways you could do it. And I've got, um, you know, uh, only a, a little bit of money in. It's some kind of green project where they're building a solar panel farm or something like that. And I'm invested in that. So you can you can do a lot, a lot more than you think, actually, because there's also government bonds and schemes where that's you are investing in the infrastructure of the country where you live or other countries um, because you're giving you're loaning money to the government for them to spend on those schemes. And as you say, like this is just so much more interesting. Like I, I feel a lot more intrigued to kind of research this, knowing that I could have these options in addition to obviously the financial literacy aspect of it. I think it just makes it a little more accessible, certainly from for me personally speaking. At the very start of this episode, we talked about mindset briefly, and I wondered if we could just circle back to that as we close today's episode. Do you have any final tips or, um, yeah, tips or gifts to share, I would say, as we close today's episode, particularly on that issue of mindset and the fear that some people have around money? Yeah, so I think it is normal, firstly, to be afraid about money, but everybody's fears will look slightly different. But the, the first thing you can think of is you don't have to suddenly take all of this on all at once. It's small incremental changes. Once you've learned about it and then you've made the changes one by one, you know, I've got a lot of different investing accounts because I choose to have it be structured that way. I didn't open them all on the same day. So, you know, you can do it bit by bit 
And a lot of those changes will be ones that last and are permanent changes that you make. You don't have to think about them anymore. The next thing you can do is just think of it like admin. You've got loads of admin tasks. And for people that move around a lot, like teachers, you know, you have to get visas, you have to um, open new bank accounts, you have to change your mobile phone provider. It's just another thing like that, that you're already perfectly capable of doing. And then the third thing I think is you really want to explore your own money beliefs and your mindset around money and where it comes from. Because I think you take the fear away from something by shining a light on it and exploring it. And I've got a money mindset course based on exactly like that, that I call like make friends with your money monsters. The idea that the monster under the bed isn't scary anymore when you've switched the light on. That's brilliant. Thank you so much for sharing these tips and for giving such great insights to how we can grow our money. It's been super helpful talking to you today, Nicola. Thank you. To find out more about Nicola's work, including those courses she mentioned, go to her website, chilledinvestor.com. I'm going to include the link to that in the show notes so you can find that easily. Now, as always, if you have a question or an idea to pitch for Pop, you can contact us via Facebook, Instagram, or the website, tsopop.com. Finally, if you love the work we do, you can support us by sharing today's episode with your teaching community by leaving a rating and review wherever you listen to the podcast or by even buying us a coffee at ko forward slash tesopop. <laughs>